And we are back. Well, we actually never went anywhere. We just stopped talking for a little bit. Uh, you are listening to This American Podcast, Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. It is approximately 10.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time on August 25th. We are coming to you from the ComedySchools.com studios, high above beautiful Old Town Scottsdale on the fifth floor of the Scottsdale Financial Center. Some people say if I keep posting what I post about Donald Trump, I should stop telling people where I am. But I'll tell this guy where I am because I love this guy and uh, I love him uh, as a friend, but I also admire him as a talent. And we are talking to the screenwriter, sitcom writer, producer, and novelist, Jeff Abagov. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Tony. How you doing? Good. Now, as we're speaking to you right now, you are uh, in... uh, Beautiful Palm Springs, California, but you're not just laying out by the pool. I wish I was. <laughs> no, actually, I don't. I'm really happy. I'm setting up for uh, Comic Con, Palm Springs, which starts in just a couple hours. So you're down there, and what you're what you're doing there now? We we read your last book, and we talked to you about your last book, and uh, I loved your uh, last book, and my uh, wife was a big fan of it, which is, and I always mess the title up because it's a long one, but I'm going to try. Zombies versus aliens versus vampires versus dinosaurs. That was the first one, yes. And that book was about, if you haven't picked it up from the title, zombies, aliens, <laughs> vampires, and dinosaurs. Fighting each other, yes. With all of humans trapped in the middle. Great book. I loved every bit of it. Now, Thank I- you. I tell you one of the reasons I like talking to you so much, I like talking to you about a lot of stuff, and we've talked many times about many things over the years, uh, but as a writer, one of the things that I appreciate, I have so many good friends who are now writing books, and I, and I think that's pretty cool. The majority of them are writing, in a sense, memoirs, but which is in a, kind of easy to do because you're writing, you don't have to do a lot of research, you're writing about yourself. You're telling your story. You've chosen a different path as you've uh, approached your uh, um, your uh, uh, book writing, if I can use an old Missouri phrase, your book writing career, where you're writing complete fiction. Complete science fiction, yeah. Yeah, complete science fiction. So it didn't. It never occurred to you, go, I'm going to write my story and tell people about me and my life and my career. You went, I want to step totally oh, out of no, that. I, I, I can't write about, I can't write a memoir. I, I believe if you don't have anything nice to say about people, <laughs> don't say anything. And I just have way too many bad things to say about people. I'm not going to put that in the fucking book. <laughs> Sorry, am I allowed to swear? Sorry. Absolutely. You, you may. You may. Okay. Now, well, did, okay, you got the point. <laughs> I, I, wanna, I know who you are, and uh, uh, Shirley knows who you are, but I want to familiarize our listeners with you so um, they'll just know about you and what you've done if you'll allow me, okay? Uh, okay. You, uh, you began your career as a staff writer and story editor on the NBC comedy Cheers, which was one of the all-time great sitcoms. And that's kind of where you cut your teeth, right? Correct. All right, and then then you went on, and you became, and here's what I, another thing I like about you so much. I know guys who wrote on one show for three years, and they never work again, because they were lucky they had a friend, but that wasn't the case with you, okay? You went on to write and produce for Roseanne and Two and a Half Men, you were on Golden Girls. Correct. A lot of people. Go ahead. Either I'm really, really good, or I just can't hold a job. 
you worked on The Rock, which is uh, um, uh, I remember that that was a, that was an excellent show and uh, should have been on longer. It was Grace Under Fire, of course, a great sitcom. And uh, I I sorry to say I never saw Forget About It, your animated show, but I remember you telling me about working on it. So you did all that in the television world, but then you went on to direct a feature film called The Mating Habits of Earthbound Humans. Actually, actually, just chronologically, Mating Habits, um, which you should see, it's really fun and funny. Um, that was um, before before Two and a Half Men. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but yes. even... Even then, we, we after Grace before Two and a Half Men. Even then, we begin to see a little bit of interest, at least with that title, in uh, things beyond the corporal realm. The you know, Earthbound. Yeah. It, yeah, I don't know if that if that title was like foreshadowing to what you were going to start writing. In a sense, well, I've always loved sci-fi. Um, Me too. Yeah, when I first, but like, kind of like the old. Sci-fi, the Ray Bradbury, Isaac Asimov. Um, oh, I'm blanking out the um, H.G. Wells. No, after him. Clark. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? Um, what's his name? Two thousand one guy. Uh, Clockwork Orange guy. I'm, I'm blanking out. He's brilliant. Uh, Clark. What? Was this like was it Stanley Clark? No, Stanley Clark's a bass player. No, it wasn't Stanley Clark. Anyway, Kubrick. Um, Stanley you know, Kubrick. Sci-fi just extends, either makes a political point, a social point, or just fun beyond just an, an imaginative point. And you know, at a certain point, it was uh, when I was breaking in. It was just um, you know, pure fantasy, pure. Battles, and and I don't do that. Although there's a lot of battles in the uh, zombies versus aliens, etc. Which, if I refer to it again in this interview, let's just call it ZAVD. ZAVD. But, yeah. Seven. Um, but yeah, no, mating habits was definitely a throwback to my original love for sci-fi. So let's move on to, uh, that was a great book. So let's move on to this book, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed, which uh, Shirley told me, she goes, you got to read it, you got to read it, you got to read it. And I went, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. And then I began to read it and I go, I'm going to make time. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Your latest book, and uh, once uh, before I say this, my always my issue with science fiction was with bad science fiction, it's just they don't solve a problem. They go, well, we'll just, uh, we'll say that uh, uh, he just stepped through a portal. And that way he didn't get eaten by the monster. You know, they don't solve. But in this book, you solve the problems. So the name of this book, ladies and gentlemen, is Time Travel for Love and Profit. And I can't think of two better reasons to time travel by Jeff Abagot. So, Jeff, you wrote a time travel book. Was, uh, sorry, was that a question? Well, it, it can be if you'd like to answer it. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> what what possessed you to write a and when I read the book it, it, and I, I hope you'll appreciate this I went I went if someone was going to say well explain it to me if I was trying to convince them to read it I'd say it's a cross between H.G. Wells Time Machine and Groundhog Day with Bill Murray it's fun 
but at the same time, the science is real, it's exciting, it's interesting, and there's a lot of nudity. <laughs> um, I will definitely agree with the last two-thirds, <laughs> and I'm just flattered by any comparison to H.G. Wells. I don't see that, but okay. <laughs> Thank you. Let, let me see. Let, let me tell you some, a, little, a little something I caught here, and tell me if, if there's any uh, uh, truth to it. The main character in your book is named TJ, correct? Correct. And, of course, hold on, because I'm going to turn to it. All right, in the, uh, uh, like, the acknowledgement page, the acknowledgement is by Canadian Comic, am I correct? TJ Miller? Oh, oh, you know what? Um, that was an accident. I've actually removed that part from the book because... <laughs> No, I just made that up. Uh, even though I was a big fan of Silicon Valley, yeah. I didn't know that actor's name was T.J. Miller. Um, so, no, it has nothing, nothing to do with him. And it's actually now out of the book. Okay. All right. Okay. So I have like, what I've got is like a rare copy that'll be worth millions of dollars later because it has this page. It might be. <laughs> well, maybe not a mil millions, maybe... 50? Hey, we'll go for 50 nowadays. We're in the radio business. We're in the <laughs> podcast business. Oh, no, no. The, no, the, t the moment I um, <laughs> saw on HBO the Silicon, act the Silicon Valley actor, um, a show I loved, yeah, HBO was promoting his stand-up special. And also, I didn't know he was Canadian. But I, um, I went, oh, I... I can't have this. <laughs> no, TJ was just totally made up, and then I added Miller because a friend of mine who's been helping me in the indie world, and I went, oh, okay, this is bad. I can't do this. <laughs> so no, it has nothing to do with him. And TJ Miller, the real one, if you're out there, I'm a fan. Sorry. Please don't sue me. Um, I, don't, I don't think he'll be cognizant enough to do so. Um, uh, uh, we're looking forward to. We'll, we'll be interviewing him um, in, I believe, late September. So, um, so let's get back here. <laughs> so, what possessed you to write this time travel book? You wrote about you. You wrote your other book, and then you sat down and went, "I'd like to write a time travel book." Was that it? No, I just well, as you get from the title of the first book. Um, zombies, aliens, vampires, and dinosaurs. It was really cool crossing genres. Mm. So this one started with a time travel spirituality book. Okay. Across time travel and spirituality, and then it obviously became romance, and then it was like, well, who would go through this? obviously a crook so it became those were the four genres crime and time travel and romance and spirituality you know one of the things that impressed me with the book is that it's obvious that you did an incredible amount of research in time travel science eras uh, 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 if I could I can I read one chapter that won't give it uh, just one paragraph not a chapter then we'll give anything away that I think is a very funny paragraph 
please. All right, so this is from chapter chapter 13. It's, uh, uh, it's at the first and second paragraph. A venture such as this had very little margin for error, so I planned it out meticulously. A few little hiccups came to light along the way, but nothing that couldn't be solved with a little imagination. First and most obvious, I would be arriving in 1932 naked, so I would need immediate access to clothes. I used the internet to scope out a rather posh men's clothing store in Midtown Manhattan that I could pop into late one night. Small retail stores, then and now, typically lock their doors with a key from the outside, with no latch or button to press from within. In other words, although I wouldn't be breaking into the store, I would need to be breaking out of it. This wouldn't pose much of a problem for a burglar of my caliber, especially back then, but it did mean that I would have to travel with one of my lock picks up my butt. The most versatile of my little picks, my half diamond was only a few millimeters long and even less thick. I had had it since I was a kid and it never let me down. Done. Next. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's interesting. You had to know something about doors. You had to know something about 1932. You had to know something about how doors worked in 1932 as opposed to now. And then the guy had to put, still, you were able to put in naked and butt at the same time. And I just thought that was hilarious. Thank you. There was so much um, intricacies interwoven with how fast or how much things change through the book. And um, everything was a journey for me. Everything was an emotional roller coaster that I went through. Um, so I think it's very important to point out that this isn't just a book full of, you know, research and, and detail, but it is a fun read and it's, you get invested in it. Now, did you, did you speak to any convicts to figure out, did you speak to any lockpicks? Did you speak to any con men when you were doing research or did you just rely on your years in the television industry? I mean, in both books, um, I think I told you this in the last interview, um, I basically just write what I think is right, and then when I'm done, I find experts in the field and say, tell me where, where, tell me where I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of great help, like research, like expert help, like that I would give, hey, can you read this part? Is this right? Or sometimes, I mean, the, the lockpick stuff, that I just got off the internet. Because <laughs> what's the best lockpicks? You could find that out. Yeah. Um, um, but the science stuff, no, I had, I you know, and the Caltech stuff, I had people, like really smart people helping me. Um and what about the um, spirituality portion of it? Um, well, to a large extent, I it is they are kind of my beliefs. Yes. Anyway, um, but I, mean, some I felt of very specific things that we don't want to 
you know, spoil anything. Right. Some of the specific things that happened, um, I found someone who does that yeah. and said, oh, and sent it to her. Um, just tell me where I'm wrong. And to be honest, for <laughs> this will only make sense to people who've already read it. Um, yes. Her I... comment was, this is exactly how it would happen, only it would take much longer. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean, Cheryl, yes, don't yes, you? Yes, I do. And I'll tell you, you feel very um, connected as you're reading it. It was spot on. Thank you. Well, Jeff, we have a lot of, uh, uh, we have a lot of people who are, um, how would I put this? I don't want to say in the business, but we have a lot of aspiring comics, young comics, aspiring writers, young writers uh, who uh, listen to the show and especially listen to... Uh, interviews like this, where we're interviewing people like you, or Rich Scheider, or Shelly Yakis, people who uh, have achieved certain things in the industry, and now are uh, uh, moving on to other things, or sharing their expertise on that. How long, from the time you decide you're going to write a novel, and you've written two now, from the time you go, I'm going to write a novel, you're sitting there staring out the window, and go, I'm going to write a novel, from that point to the last word where you go, I'm done, how long does that typically take you? Okay, I'm going to answer that question in two ways. First, to your comedy students, I don't consider these, although these books are at times funny, I don't consider them comedy in the way when back in the day when I did, you know, my year and a half as a stand-up and my many years as a sitcom writer and my writing and directing my comedy movie, those were comedies. I consider this more like sci-fi humor um, in the way that Kurt Vonnegut was humor. Um, Joseph Heller, who wasn't sci-fi, was humor. Mark Twain, the greatest of them all, was humor, but not funny. You wouldn't call, like, Huckleberry Finn didn't go for the joke. It went for the story and it was amusing. And I seriously am not comparing myself to any of those three guys. I'm just saying I look at this as humor, not comedy. So that's the first part. So like someone, you know, one of your stand-up students or someone looking to be a comedy writer, this is not that. Um, okay, so to the second part of your question, it never was. I mean, as you know, I wrote, I think your first interview with me was on my short story. I just felt like writing it. It was a cool, weird idea, writing a short story from the point of view of a keyboard symbol. And Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That was a great, that was a great short story. I remember that. Yes. Thank you. And then it was like, I just started, okay, and the reaction to that was awesome. It's like, Okay, and maybe I'll write it. Can I write a novel? I didn't know. I mean, it was never... My goal was always, as a kid, to work in Hollywood. And I had, and I'm glad I had. And it's like, okay, now try this. Like, can I write a book? Well, let's, let's try. So it wasn't like a decision to do it. It was more like a, you know, 
sticking your toe in the cold water pool and saying, is it too cold? Okay, <laughs> well, now I'll put my foot in it, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> So, uh, you know, excellent answers. Thank you. But so now, how long did it take you to write this particular book? Uh, the first one or the time, the, the time travel book? That one's hard to say. The first one, I could say seven months. Okay. This one was hard to say because I started, I was writing it, writing it, writing it, knowing it was leading to a romance story. And at a certain point, even though I liked everything I had written, I went like, I don't know how to write a romance. I've never written a romance. Now bear in mind, prior to the first one, I had never written an action. Um, but this one is like, I don't know. So I just stopped and actually left and started working on something else. <laughs> and so three months, after that, I realized how to write a romance. And you guys know, because you read the book. Yes. But I didn't know that aspect, and I don't want to say what it is. Um, but, yeah, as you know, there's a certain shift yes. in the narrative. And that was the realization, oh, yes. that's how you write a romance. Well, your lead character, I just, I fell in love with TJ. He is a strong, but streetwise character, and he also has a lot of compassion. But I noticed that your women are also very strong characters. Now, is that, was that designed on purpose? Um... Well, nothing's designed, really. They just happen. They come but, out. But as, you know, like, of the two women characters I think you're referring to, mm -hmm. one we meet as already strong. Right. The other we meet as kind of weak, and she becomes strong. Yes. Um, well, that one, that was by design. Okay. But yeah, let's see her growth. Let's see her grow. Let's see her start as the woman, the, a girl who's not, uh, let me start over. Let's see her as the woman she isn't and watch her grow into the woman she is. I loved it. Yeah, you did a great job with that, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. You know, as I read the uh, as I read the book and was reading the women characters and uh, knowing that it was you that was writing it, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I happened to cross an old Twilight Zone episode, uh, one with uh, uh, Keenan Wynn, where he's a writer, and he he's there with this beautiful woman in his office, and then his wife sees, and it turns out that the woman that he's with, and then eventually even his wife, are his works of fiction. And if he throws them in the fire, then they did. Yeah, I vaguely recall that when I want to rewatch it. Do you remember what it was called? No, but it's with Keenan Wynn. If you look up Keenan Wynn, uh, uh, then you'll find it because he did two or three. He did two or three. But if you if you uh, if you just Google Twilight Zone, no, Keenan no, Wynn. No, that, that was a great. I, I remember that one. That was a great one. So then, my yeah, question sorry, is: interrupt. Go on. Do you get do you get emotionally invested in the characters as you're writing them? Yes. 
There. Well, your readers do, that's for sure. Well, I did. Oh, they're all me. Yes. That's, um... Even, even like, the... Even, like, the snively, like... Not snively, that's the wrong word. Even, like, the passive-aggressive parole the, officer. The opposites, yeah. Who's me, like... So, I mean, some of the characters are me at my best, and some of the characters are me at my worst. But they're all, to some extent, me. And yes, I want to fuck all the pretty ones. <laughs> <laughs> Calling Dr. Freud. Uh, <laughs> so you're at Comic Con, man. And uh, so, what exactly are you doing at Comic Con? Are you just sitting there at a table with your book smiling tell us what you're doing there oh well primarily i'm there selling books and smiling and hopefully people want to buy my books and i'll talk to them and sign them and all that i'm also on a panel um um oh. uh, what's the panel called again <laughs> mm -hmm. it's a weird name it's friday at um I mean, today, later today, at 3.45, um, called Producing the Script People Want to Read. Are you going to be wearing a costume? It's Comic-Con. What costume are you wearing? Oh, I'm going as this guy, this, like, guy you may never have heard of, Jeff Apikoff. Wouldn't it be weird if you, like, won a prize? They go, this is the coolest costume. <laughs> oh, that would be so sad, Dude, this is wild. Yeah, but I'm going to be looking similar to the back of my book picture, which is an image I have come to call cool nerd. Wow. No, no, but no, I said it wrong. Nerd cool. Nerd cool. <laughs> I know, that, that's a nice picture of you at the back of the book, by the way. Um, but it's I've also... Nerd cool, right? Isn't it nerd cool? Yeah. I've also seen you while you've been in the middle of a writing project where, and I don't know, I have this same issue where I'll be at the desk working on uh, producing a show or promoting a show or, or uh, some of the things we're doing and, and I haven't left the house for a couple of days and then I realize I have to go to the store, you know, and I just run out of the house wearing what I'm wearing and then I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror at the store and go, oh my God, I look like a wino. I'm wearing like <laughs> house slippers and a stupid hat, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like someone who's emerged from a cave. Go, is the war still going on? <laughs> yeah, but no one, no one even notices. Yeah. At that I, hour, so were they. Yeah. We Skyped with you one time about a year ago, about a year or two ago, and uh, you and Shirley were Skyping, talking about one of your books, and I popped in to say hi, and I look at him and Skype, and I go, he hasn't left the house in three days. Look at him. <laughs> Man. Yeah. <laughs> you look not fine. leaving the house for three days. Oh, that's like nothing. Uh, let's tell people how they can get the book. I know you got it set up for this thing. You can get it on Amazon. Is that correct? You could get it on Amazon.com. Type in my name, J E F F A P U G O V. Um, and you could get the um um. Seven. The email book, the um, uh, in, the, what's it called? The internet book or um, the print book, either. 
Excellent, excellent. And uh, is there any way people can get an autographed copy? You mean online? Well, yeah. Are, are there other ways to get an autographed copy? Well, yeah. Show up at Palm Springs today or this weekend. Now, you're going um, to be there all weekend. I'm going to be there all weekend. Today through Sunday. And what times will people be able to interface with you, Jeffrey? Absolutely, and um, I'm a friendly guy. And you're going to be there. I just want to give people the times you're going to be there. Look, Comic-Con, uh, I've been to Comic-Con here in Phoenix. I actually was going to a Clippers game uh, last year while Comic-Con was going on down in Los Angeles. And just being out in front of it was so much fun. We just hung out there with people there for a while after the game. Comic-Con, even if you're not a science fiction person, even if you're not, even if you're not, if you don't read comic books or anything like that, Comic-Con is fun. It is a fun place to go. It is an entertaining place just to walk around. If anyone's in the Palm Springs area, if you're in Los Angeles, if you're in Phoenix, if you're anywhere around and you can get there, you will enjoy it so much. And you'll also be able to meet uh, this wonderful uh, writer, Jeff Abaguff. And you're going to be there. Uh, Comic-Con's going on today, August 25th, from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. in Palm Springs. Saturday. Today. Saturday. Yeah, today. Saturday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and Sunday from, correct me if I'm wrong, 9.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Correct. And can I just throw in one last funny anecdote? You may. Um, before, because it sounds like we're ending. We are. So, you know, just, you know, cut out the boring parts to make work for this. So, <laughs> I, like so many people, before I started writing sci-fi books, um, didn't really pay attention when... Um, first Comic-Con first started being talked about and it was said oh they're all crazy people and this and that I didn't think much about it okay uh, osmosis yeah fine they're crazy whatever I didn't care which is tangentially by the way I think how most people <laughs> understand politics but anyway okay they're crazy fine whatever and then I started getting into writing sci-fi and so uh, about a month ago, I was in Montreal visiting my parents, and it just so happened that the Montreal Comic Con was going on. So I went, and it was fascinating. It was not at all what I expected. It was great. It was cool. I'd say about maybe 20% of the people were in costume. It was kind of like an adult Halloween party where most people don't go in costume but the ones that do really go all out. But that's not the funny part. So after I left, um, I'm, you guys still here? Yeah. We're listening. We're listening. Okay, good. <laughs> Intently. So I'm, I'm waiting for my Uber and um, on my corner and like the building I'm in front of like has that recess thing. And there was Spider-Man Princess Leia and Snape smoking a joint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> All the more reason to go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the name of the book is Time Travel for Love and Profit by Jeff Abagov. You can get it by going on Amazon. His last name is spelled A-B-U-G-O-V. 
I've just put in Time Travel for Love and Profit. You'll be able to pick up this great book. You'll be glad you did. Jeff, I hope to see you soon. Always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. You too. Thank you so much and love to be here anytime. All right. Thank you very much. Okay, take care. And we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to This American Podcast, Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com.